All right, guys, welcome back to the Like Minds Podcast, an open journal for creatives and entrepreneurs. I am Josh Allen, joined as always by my friend Adam Davis. That's right. And for those of you guys who have been tuning in to listen to the Like Minds Podcast on YouTube, definitely subscribe. Uh, we, we got some very interesting guests coming down on the pipeline. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. And for those of you guys who do not join in to the Like Minds podcast on YouTube and you get our content via other means, uh, definitely go and show your support by subscribing to us on YouTube. We would definitely appreciate that. Absolutely. We appreciate all the likes, uh, every comment, every subscriber really helps us out. Uh, we really want to be building a community and, and be connecting with you guys. Today, we have a, another guest. Uh, my friend Calvin Steele. He is a barber from the Hammond, Indiana area. And I'm excited about this one. I'm really excited about this one because I've been going to Calvin for about five years. So I've known him for a while and we have had some conversations that are just, you know, it's just one of those conversations where it's like, man, I wish somebody, there's somebody else in the world who could, uh, who could have also benefited uh, from hearing what this guy has to say. And Calvin's one of those people, if I could, I would introduce him to every single one of my friends and uh, and have him, you know, just spend a little time talking to them. With the podcast, we're able to do that. And that's what we did. We got to sit down with Calvin, talk about what Hammond was like in the 90s when he was growing up, talk about um, kind of his, uh, his upbringing. He grew up uh, near a lot of gang activity, he uh, was telling us. And we talk about how he kind of uh, stayed out of that and um, and sought out mentorship and uh, and went on to be a pretty successful dude and really wise guy as well. He's he's a he's a wise fellow. So we're gonna go ahead and get into it. I think you guys are gonna really enjoy this one. All right, guys, welcome back to Like Minds Podcast. Moving along with the guest today, we have a very special guest. We have Calvin uh, Steele. Am I saying your last name right? Is it Steele? Yes, it is. It's Steele. Okay, yeah. so Calvin Steele. I'm super excited to have this gentleman on the podcast. Uh, Calvin is a barber. He's been my barber. It may not look like it because we're in quarantine and I haven't had <laughs> <laughs> on it for aligning in a minute but uh i've been sitting in calvin's chair for about five years now and we have had some great conversations he is an entrepreneur uh he's got a lot of good insights uh we're excited to talk to him about all kinds of things adam also uh goes to calvin so we all know each other so this is just going to be a we, we all haven't talked in a while too so this is going to be a, a cool little catch-up we'll get into some entrepreneurship uh we'll get into motivation because i know calvin is good at that and uh, we'll just see where it goes. Before we get into anything, Calvin, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, personally, introduce yourself. Well, thanks for having me on, uh, Josh and Adam. I appreciate the invite. Uh, this is huge for me. Uh, I don't take this lightly. Uh, you know, I'm a father of, uh, you know, four boys. I'm a, you know, a father of three uh, stepdaughters. You know, I'm a married man. I own a barbershop in Hammond, Indiana, named Impact Barbershop. I've been a professional licensed barber for over 10 years. 
Okay. Uh, I started barbering. Um, I also was, uh, I came from a retail background. I was mm. a manager in retail as well. Oh, that's right. Because you, you used to, um, I do want you to talk a little bit about that because I remember you uh, talking with you about that um, mm. before. Before mm-hmm. we get into that, where, where are you from, Calvin? I know you, I think you live in, um, is it Myrtle Beach now or? You know, I stay right next to Miller Beach. So it's like, it's like how in Hammond you have Hessville. Right. Like, so, you know, Miller Beach is in Gary. So I stay in Gary and I stay right next to Miller Beach. I grew up in Hammond. Um, I went to Lincoln Elementary from second grade throughout um, high school. I graduated from Hammond High, class of 2000. Um, If you go to the, the Lost Marsh located in Hammond, Mm-hmm. The golf course. Mm-hmm. There's a photo when you walked in when they broke the ground, and the the mayor at that time they selected some students from the city of Hammond to go and take a picture there. So you might not recognize me, but my photo is in uh, Lake Marsh, man. It's it's right. Oh, on the my, oh that's, that's interesting. And and when you say broke the ground, you mean is that when they started uh, building the golf course? It was a dump. That's why yeah. I saw the hills. Yeah, so it was still a dump. It was nothing out there. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, my dad would tell me that it was a dump even when he was a kid, and he was a kid in like the the seventies. So that's pretty cool yeah. that they turned it into that. Okay. So you grew up in uh, you grew up in Hammond. What was yeah. uh, what was it like growing? So you would have been your class of two. So you grew up in Hammond in the nineties. You would have been in like yeah. high school. So what was Hammond like in the nineties? I was I was Man, five that- years old. <laughs> Man, that's a great question, man. We, you know, we have the Fest of the Lakes now in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to call it the August Fest because they had it in August. They had a summer program where you can get a job for the in the city of Hammond called Pyramids. Uh, they had a skate rink off of Goslin called the Roller Dome. I want to say in the early 90s, they opened up the Hammond Boys and Girls Club right across the street from Hammond High. So the, it was a lot of development going on in the city of Hammond for the youth at that time. But also, you know, it was the 90s, so it was a lot of narcotics. I think if you ask anybody my age, depending on where they grew up, their story would be different. I grew up on Bower Street, and I'm not ashamed of that. Um, At that time, man, that was a really notorious uh, block to grow up on. Uh, And it it was traumatic at the same time because I couldn't relate to my peers. So... um, Academically, they had started the college uh, bound in Hammond because the casino had just broke. Um, but growing up in Hammond, I was around, you know, a serious amount of real gang activity, like gang meetings, gang cultures, uh, from drug addicts to, you know, hoes. Not like you calling a girl a hoe, but women actually selling their body, you know, um, I've seen a lot of a lot of different things, man. A lot. Uh, I think by the time I was a senior in high school, I had seen six people get shot. Mm. Yeah, not not hurt, but like literally, like, oh shit! Excuse me. I don't know if I can. <laughs> just, oh, no, you're, no. you're all good, man. No, you're all good. Yeah, um, I've seen like six people get shot by that time. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what? were some of the mechanisms that you used to stay out of that way of thinking and that, uh, that lifestyle? How, how does one go up from growing, growing up in a scenario like that to now uh, owning his own business? 
what how did you how'd you stay out of trouble man it was it wasn't hard because i was anti-bully for me and academically i was strong my my peers that grew up on the same block they both they had uh households where they had a mother and father and their mother and fathers were examples so that was like a safe haven we had to go to vacational bible study so we had a foundation of uh being honorable and being mannerable uh, and because i was anti-bully uh i wouldn't let nobody get picked on and i didn't want to really join the game because i had questions so one of the things that they would say when they wanted you to join their gang was you should come home and they would tell you that right and then i would say well i live right there and like man you know what we're saying and i'm like well i stay right there so because they the, the conversation gap an intellectual gap i just didn't join a gang because they couldn't have that conversation with me you know um i beat i actually fought the the leader of the gang that was my age in my age bracket in middle school in front of everybody and i won um yeah, man. And they, they jumped me immediately after that. But after that, I didn't have no more problems. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, because yeah. I was going to ask, it's like, if everybody in your area, because like, I, I know you from being at the shop, everybody that comes in the shop, whether they're to, uh, there to get you their haircut from you or one of the other barbers, everybody says, what's up, cow? So it's like, you got a lot of friends and it sounds like you're yeah. in an uh, uh, environment. That sounds very counterintuitive uh, to, to have so many friends. Yeah, the behavior of my peers at that time was, it was like a like gladiator, mm. you know, and you it was no getting around the arena and I wasn't going to avoid it. So I first mentioned that I was proud to be from Bower Street because the adults around me would, because I was from Bauer, would tell me, because I was around my peers, even though I wasn't in the game, we had no choice but to go to school together. They would say things like, you guys will never be nothing. They would tell me that at a young age, like, you guys, you guys are not going to amount to anything. So I look at it as I, it was necessary for me to become successful. All I wanted was opportunity. You know, the work ethic was always going to be there. You know, um, I also played basketball. Uh, that was a, a dream of mine, just to play high school basketball. I didn't want to play like an NBA. And uh, when I went to Eggers Middle School, I excelled. You know, we had the tournaments and I got MVP every single year. But because I stayed on Bauer, when, we, when I went to high school, it was a big game fight. Uh, no exaggerating, guys. It was like 25 on 25. Wow. Majority of the people, majority of people that was in that was that was in that fight stayed on Bower Street. When I went to practice, I had made the team. Uh, for sure, I was going to start JV. Probably was going to dress, uh, dress for varsity. Um, the coach ran us down. He dogged us out. And after he ran us, he said, "Everybody that stay on Bower Street." get the hell out of my gym. Wow. So I had to leave. That was one of, that was my biggest, even though I had seen people getting shot, basketball was my way to not be around them after hours. So when I got kicked out that gym for where I was, where I was, you know, resided at, 
that that was really traumatic and um i just had to develop myself from there uh, you know? so did you so you just didn't end up playing in high school then no i didn't you know i went to the boys and girls club and i played basketball at the boys and girls club okay so you know what's unique is that we used to make the paper we used to make the hammond times a lot so in the 90s from 96 to you know that's when i was a freshman to 2000 i was in the paper like every basketball year i had a couple game winning shots i took the boys and girls club downstate to indianapolis like we always came in second you know but i made the paper a lot they would ask me well how come you don't play high school and they can they would never report what i told them you know mm-hmm. they would never do that. But I would tell them the truth. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. I never, I never knew you uh, were really into basketball, man. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. I, I also played basketball uh, all throughout high school. Mm-hmm. That's wow, awesome. That's... Nothing like you still, it. Do you still play at all or no? No. Um, when I was working at Menards, right when I started going to Barber College, uh, I was in an accident with my uncle. He was drunk. Uh, I thought he was tired. He was my uncle. I was much younger. I couldn't tell he was under the influence. And uh, my back was uh, injured really bad. Like, I couldn't pick up my arms. Like, uh, I couldn't sit down. Uh, I had to go to therapy for, like, six months. Uh, so I never really played after that. That's how I, I gained weight. You know, I used to walk around at, like, 185 to 190. When I couldn't play basketball, you know, I just kept putting on weight and I couldn't take it off. Mm. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that about the because I, I remember you telling the story uh, one time uh, of the practice uh, when he yeah. kicked out all the guys on uh, on Bow Street. I didn't know yeah. um, what had what happened after that. I, yeah, I didn't know that uh, basketball was so uh, integral to uh, to you during during high school. Was yeah, there... definitely. Man. I actually went to that year. I got kicked out the gym the summer before. I went to a college basketball camp, DePaul University. I went to a basketball camp. I was, a, that was my, the summer I was transitioning from a freshman to a sophomore, and I bunked with all seniors going to Division One college. I made wow. the all-star team at the camp. It was held by Ray Myers, who was a Hall of Fame basketball camp coach for the College of DePaul. Man, I balled so hard. I, man, I had a great day. Uh, after the all after the All Star game, he told me to take my shoes off, and he signed them for me, man. Yeah, so I was really like into like basketball. Like I went to camp, man. I was getting yeah. it together. Man, yeah. that's so that's funny. Awesome, man. I, I, yeah. So funny because like I, I've been talking to uh, I've been talking to Calvin for years, just sitting in your chair, and uh, this is like really the first time I'm hearing about uh, any accomplishments in basketball, and you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> There's the joke uh, of the guys who have their uh, I, I should have been uh, to the league stories, and it's like you know those guys don't have anything to back it up. But it's like, man, you 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 have yeah. some real. Uh, it sounds like you were had some real talent. And it also sounds like that was uh, another thing that I'm kind of picking up on. And I'd like to know more about this. It sounds like you kind of found your own uh, places to be. Like we were kind of talking about uh, how, how did you stay out of um, the negativity that was around you? Uh, it sounds like you found your own devices. Were you finding your own mentors uh, at a young age and in high school or, or was it all up to you? Were you essentially mentoring yourself? No, man. Um, actually, 
uh, the city of Hammond had this program called Values, and it was created and developed by the former superintendent, you know, God rest his soul, who just passed away, uh, Dr. Walter uh, Watkins. He was my eighth grade principal. Um, he developed this program called Values. It's an acronym, Voice Achievement, Life understand, Understanding, Enrichment, and uh, Self-Esteem. They would take uh, kids who were just troubled, right? Um, to take them outside of the city of Hammond, to give them exposure to life, entrepreneurs, businessmen, to show them there was a world outside of the streets that they lived on. Um, and he really favored me. He favored me a lot, um, a lot, man. I got called to his office a lot, man. And I used to get, you know, teased about that. They was like, why do he always call you to the office? So he was a huge mentor of mine. The people that I met through his program, we met the president of uh, First Midwest Bank, uh, doctors, lawyers. We met them pretty much once a, once a month. Um, oh, okay. So some of that stuff was over my head at that time, but that was just one of the things I think I, uh, along with that, uh, I like to explore, right? So I wouldn't just stay on my street. I would, you know, venture out. Like I like to move around and uh, be friendly. I, I learned how to catch the bus at a young age just so I can go to the mall. Like I just like to go and explore. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, and then you also probably uh have friends in different areas because that's something that uh i realized is not always a normal thing growing up i kind of had to do that because i was homeschooled and I, I just had friends where my friends live you know what i mean uh yeah. but a lot of people i think growing up you you get that a lot of people grow up and just have you know that core group of friends in their neighborhood and don't really venture out outside of that and i, and I think that's uh why you know those types of people will struggle in college to make friends and continue to make uh, new relationships. Yeah. Making friends is unique within itself because you have to be uncomfortable with the stranger. You have right. to get to know somebody. Uh, and I wasn't really the type to want, I didn't like being uncomfortable. I didn't like that feeling. Mm -hmm. I never liked that feeling. Uh, so mm -hmm. I had no problem with introducing myself and making friends. I had no problem with that. Yeah. Would you consider yourself uh, an extrovert or an introvert? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. I think the term for that is uh, ambivert. I just, yeah. I just learned about that one. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So while we're still on this topic, Calvin, uh, what, what would you say to someone who is young and, and living in some difficult uh, conditions similar to maybe what you went through? It sounds like you made, use of the the programs in your area and the resources that were made available to you uh what what kind of advice would you give to someone who's young who might hear this who's in high school or maybe even uh graduating high school what would you say to them man that's a great question and that can cover a lot of bases i think first of all uh in order to answer that question with clarity i would need to be able to relate to exactly what they're dealing with um, but if they've experienced any type of trauma, there are apps available so that they can get some type of therapy because mentally you need to heal uh, within your heart as well. You, you, it's hard to function properly if you're dysfunctional. I think getting therapy, there are a lot of free apps. I use this app called Youper. I would definitely say use that, that Youper app. And even 
uh, I think that the resources are plentiful now with social media if they wanted to find a mentor. You don't necessarily have to know a person to be mentored by them. Find that person, be direct. Like it's okay to find somebody that you like. Like I think I would really give that person just permission. Like it's okay, right? Like I know your feelings are hurt. I know you're down, I know you're sad, but it's okay, first of all, to find somebody that you like. Second of all, it won't always be like this. That's the truth. Like, it won't always be like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a, a very, advice. very powerful point. And I think, honestly, that's something that's kind of changing and kind of has changed in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. It used to be like if you, if you went to go get therapy or you made yourself vulnerable enough to go get therapy, it used to be like, oh, that person's weak. He needs therapy, right? Yeah. But I feel like there's been over the last few years uh, a shift in thinking about that and to the point where it's almost like, no, that person's strong because he's able to recognize, he or she is able to recognize their current problems and recognize that there are resources out there. So, so not only is it a brave thing to do, but it's also the intelligent move, you know? For sure. Right. And it builds strength uh, in the mind. You know, you need to be mentally strong as well. Um, and I think we, uh, especially, um, young men in in America and definitely young black men in America, uh, there was definitely a time at which it was kind of being taught that like your mental strength should be approached kind of like, uh, your physical strength and, you know, the bigger, the better, the better. (laughs) And, uh, that, that's, that's not the case. You gotta, it takes a lot, you know, to, to work on your mental strength and, and get right with things in your mind. Um, but yeah, that is a good point, Adam, that um, it's good that things are changing uh, and that we can have those conversations and people can pursue those things. And it's, it is a lot different, I, I, I would say, you know, because there are apps and people do talk a little bit more openly. Like, I, 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 I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to say because I'm also comparing this to a time where I was much younger and maybe just youth is uh is a time where you don't communicate with people <laughs> as well but uh like now i have friends that i can like really talk to uh about things that's not surface level you know and even if i'm having uh problems or if they're having problems you know i've, I've had some very adult conversations uh about mental health and, and about uh my personal mental health and friends personal mental health which i i feel was not a thing uh definitely in the past and uh, and i hope that continues to um to grow i think definitely uh guys like you calvin uh definitely push that forward because i'm pretty sure a lot of you know my ability to um kind of recognize issues talk about issues and recognize things that i need to fix mentally comes just honestly from sitting in your chair and just talking to somebody about uh about things openly and not and like feeling very comfortable and not feeling judged about it you know we've had some very uh deep conversations and that that i walk away like man like why can't i talk with that like uh, talk to more people like that you know yeah that's 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 real man i agree with both of y'all man you know for me the i have an issue with the stigma of mental health uh, especially from my neighborhood, because if you were mentally ill, you weren't accepted at all. Like mm-hmm. your behavior, 
uh, was dis disruptive to their behavior and everybody needed some type of behavior modification. Like mm -hmm. nobody was okay. You know, the reason why gangs thrived was because the fathers weren't at home, you know? So you have, you know, you have a gang leader, you know, because he's 23 and you're 14, he looks big. Mm -hmm. So imagine being told what to do and how to feel by a 23 year old man. You don't even know his background. You don't know where he came from, nothing, right? But within that gang, if you go to jail and you come home, you're, you're celebrated. Nothing's wrong with that. I got friends in jail that I can't wait until they come home, right? But if you go to a mental hospital and you come home, people will avoid you. Hmm. They will not welcome you. And I have issue with that comparison because I feel like at that time when you come home from a mental institution, that is the time where you need to be embraced the most. Mm, that's the time sure. where you need to be uplifted the most. Like that's that's the time, you know. So I'm deaf, and I'm anti-bully. Like don't pick on nobody. No, nobody with mental health issues asks for that. You know, it's not like they brought themselves to that issue. You know, it could have been avoided if there's so many different, you know, ways to go about mental health. You know, some of it is just you you know bullying is a mental health issue. If you get bullied enough, you're gonna have issues. You know, it's not like you don't have to come from a broken home or you have anybody physically hurt you. But if you're picked on too much, you could have trouble, you know, with your mental health. So I just, I'm just anti-bully, like, all the way. That's mm. huge, man. I mean, yeah. there's, there's evidence to, to prove exactly what you're saying. There, there are fifth graders out there who commit suicide because they're bullied, right? Yeah. You know, it's insane. And it, I don't know, like, I've talked to some of my other uh, friends who live in different countries. I don't, I, I would assume it's like everywhere in the world, like bullying, but maybe there's varying degrees. Like, I don't know if the, the United States has more bullying or what, but it, it's definitely a real issue that uh, people need to allocate some serious mental energy to, you know, it's, it's, it's just not right at all. Right. And, and go on, Josh. It's affected so much by, uh, the culture i think the shifts that we were talking about like things getting better is because there's a better culture around um uh mental strength and uh mental health now than there was mm -hmm. uh but yeah you know it, a lot of like bullying if you will i think stems from uh a lot uh, uh stems from culture you know it depends on what what the culture is um mm -hmm. for sure something that seems uh different now uh, and again, this could be bubble talk. This could just because uh, this is where like the areas that I grew up in. But I, I remember just like kind of being told growing up that um, a, a lot of the things that I did in like high school and like early college years, as far as socially, I just remember being told by other people older than me, same age, that those things just don't happen. Like having as many friends as I do, being as close to the friends uh, that I have especially after high school and then after college, uh, I had always in my head that during, you know, during those moments in my youth, I, I, there was honestly this thought that oh, all this is just temporary. Like these friends are great, but apparently I guess there's just some magical force that we all just like are no longer friends uh, in a couple of years. And then that ended up not being the case. And I came to the realization, that, oh, 
you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And I, and I wonder why it, there were people telling me that that, that would happen. Um, so I'm gonna, that, I'm gonna, go ahead. I say I'm going to provide at least my initial thoughts on this. And how much do you think of that particular issue uh, stems from the fact that the people that were telling you this at a young age didn't have the, the, ubiqui the ubiquitous access to social media and being able to text somebody nonstop and be able to do Zoom calls like this, right? Um, I wonder if that has any... Obviously, both you and I, Josh, have talked about all of the negative impacts of social media before, but I wonder if one of the positive impacts is being able to keep people together closer and, and in contact with each other after college and after everybody's supposed to go their separate ways, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, um, I definitely think that's one of the big things. I talk a lot about how I definitely have friends that I've kept up with because of uh, social media. You know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I, Calvin's one of them. I, 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 we interact on social media. If Imagine if, uh, you know, Calvin was just my barber and I went and got my haircut and that's the only time I talked or saw him. But we have interactions outside of that. So I definitely think that um, that has done a lot. Um, I know that you, you mentioned uh, in one of the book, uh, in one of the books, uh, that uh, it was something about the invention of the like button was a, was a huge uh, issue with social media. Um, right. One of the things that I've noticed recently uh, is I love in like Instagram and stories where you can send a reaction um, mm -hmm. to a story and versus a like, it's not like this public thing uh, like, mm -hmm. you know, where you're counting up likes but it's really nice to like uh, have somebody like react to a story. And even if it's just a little something, you're not going to start a whole conversation uh, about what it is, but it's just like kind of a nod, like, yo, like, you know, I'm still, still keeping up with you uh, and things like that. Things like that uh, I think are the positive uses of, um, of social media uh, versus like this, all the like chasing and the, uh, and the cloud chasing. I think that would be, be some negatives. Um, Calvin, what, what are some of your thoughts on the use of social media? And uh, we've talked about this a couple of times. What, uh, what are some yeah. of your thoughts? Do you think that yeah, you is know what? I think that uh, the younger generations know how to use them effectively and properly. Mm. My peers, and it's a fact, I tell them to their face, social media was a wasted opportunity. Mm. For my peers and older adults wasted opportunity man you can literally find anybody on social media that you look up to you could literally find any idea that you have and find out how to create it you can find any type of mentor it's the the resources there my peers use it to vent because they don't have a therapist they use it to have beefs because they don't know how to resolve issues. Um, they don't know how to support their own local businesses with it, within the means of social media. Mm -hmm. And I'm just talking from a local, you know, context of, of my peers, but they do not understand the reach that social media has. Um, they, they don't, uh, and I, it's, to me, it was a wasted opportunity. 
Mm. You know, we really could have set the stage to have an, an improved culture and society without leaving that responsibility on people behind the pulpit and political parties. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting perspective and one that uh, I haven't really thought about before. Uh, you're highlighting that younger people know how to utilize social media in, po in some positive ways. With that said, I, I am going to push back a little bit. I think while younger people may know how to utilize these positive uh, benefits of social media, I think there's also, it's a double-edged sword. I think younger people are also spending way too much time on social media. So while they might be able to use the positive benefits, they also, uh, the, the negative benefits are a byproduct of that, you know? Because there's teenagers out there, man, spending like 10 hours a day looking at a screen, you know? Um, which that would be a negative by byproduct of it, right? But that, that's an interesting idea that you propose there, um, actually being able to use the positive side of things and supporting local businesses or, or even uh, dictating the way that culture moves. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it and an interesting perspective. Yeah, when you think about it, when you look at your own algorithm, I, I guarantee you, you see something on it that you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. But all of, if all of your friends posted something positive, everybody's algorithm would change. Mm. It's not. It's not even hard. It's free. That, social media is free. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't even cost you nothing. We act like we we put a value on the like button. We put a value on the comment section. I'm not gonna give mm -hmm. them a like. I'm not. You know. I want my like back. Like for mm -hmm. like. Right. That's just odd. So. What I meant as far as like with the younger generations, like I'm, I'm mentioning your, 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 your class, right? Um, but also, I love to defend the, the younger kids, like the teenagers and younger, because uh, my peers, um, they always talk about how much time the kids spend on the phone, man. Hmm. But no, they, I, when I ask them, well, what are they watching? They don't know. So how is it that the phone spends more time or the laptop spend more time with these kids than adults? Mm -hmm. So to be critical of what they're doing, I think is misplaced because we don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're, if they're spending 10 hours a day watching like notable or honorable people, like they're going to be advanced. When I talk to the kids, when I get them in the chair, I ask them, like, what are you watching? And they tell me about meditation. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. <laughs> Listen, I am amazed. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Put the video on the TV. Uh, I had a young kid today. His mom is a single mother, and I love her heart. You know, their kid's father abandoned them and her. I'll be cutting their hair. He's going into his senior year. I've been cutting his hair since he was in the fifth grade, right? I was so surprised because I went to my truck and he was pulling up in his own car today. I'm like, man, it was just quarantine. Your mom, his mom just brought him. I go, how did you learn how to drive? He goes, man, my mom took me to, you know, the parking lot at, at Morton. She knows that I spend time watching these videos on YouTube about how to do things. 
So because she knew what he was doing on the phone, she had confidence that he was preparing himself for that, you know, that situation, mm. you know. So mm. I just I, don't, I just feel like the kids are going to be way more responsible with social media than the adults. You know? I hope so. Definitely. I, I hope so. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of adults that's on the Internet watching porn all day, you know. <laughs> Kid, uh, you know the kids not doing that, man. They're like, they're different, man. They're they have a different. To me, they just have a different sense of being. You know, they're not tainted by likes. They're not tainted by that. Like, they're not. You know, when you look yeah, at like sure. even when I look at TikTok, right? The the newest form of social media. It easily became my favorite uh, social media site. Cause, because everybody was happy. Mm. No matter what their opinion of life was, right, they're happy doing that, right? You know, the people who are heard, uh, like maybe trying to defend their TikTok use were people my age, 30 and up. It's okay for me to be on TikTok, you know, who's, you know, like, mm. why are y'all defending that? Like, they still, they, we, didn't, we didn't have the, the confidence builders that the young people have. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have that. You know, so the kids they have it, man. So you're in a very interesting situation, Calvin. Uh, not everybody just on the street um, has the opportunity to talk to hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Uh, you know, doing what you do for a living. So I think uh, you're in a very interesting position, and you can really almost be like a a guiding factor for a lot of the younger people as well. And you can have a lot of influence and it might not seem like it, but you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that do look up to you. And I think that's, that's great, man. You know, I look at it like a death. It's definitely a responsibility. Like they asked me, I am misleading, man. Cause people think I love being a barber. I like it. I make money. It's the best thing I could do to make some money. Right. At the time given the opportunity that I had, right? But my truth is I love the people more. I love them more. So I really get my satisfaction and fulfillment out of the people, you know, because men, Josh mentioned mentioned earlier, being able to have the ability to come and sit in my chair and talk with somebody without feeling judged. Like I'm aware, I am completely aware of that. And I'm completely, cautious of that responsibility like i refuse to speak on subjects at with the matter of a fact if i don't know right i don't give my opinion unless it's invited i just mm. don't because that's dangerous man i mm, i won't do that you mm. know like josh said he had people telling him uh, you know the wrong thing you're not going to maintain the level of friends that's you wrong you don't know so if it's not a matter of a fact or if my opinion is not invited, I won't. I just refuse to go there. Mm-hmm. I just refuse to. Yeah. And you also have a, uh, a you have an interesting uh, position because not only are you able to influence, but you're a, you cut so many people's hair and you, and you, you're able to receive so much information from all kinds of uh, different walks of life. It, how much yeah. does that, uh, influence you shape your uh viewpoints of the world and and how you go yeah. about life yeah now now we're talking you know like i'm on zoom with you guys so that's a fact 
You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's a fact, right? But I come across, uh, I do come across a lot of people, a lot of different cultures and a lot of different beliefs. Um, it affects me when I'm humble. I have a lot of different people that I cut that are high performers and high achievers with evidence to prove it, not just for conversation. You know, I, I, uh, I give you an example. I cut this young man from Hammond. He has one of the top pizzerias in the Chicagoland area, voted top 10 pizzerias. It's called Chicago Dough, uh, but he's from Hammond. He lives in Hammond. It's called Chicago Dough. He humbles me every single time he comes. He doesn't do it in a vulgar, aggressive way. He goes, I just cut his hair yesterday. He goes, Calvin, now I wanted to cry and complain about my life. He goes, Calvin, I took a $1,200 pay cut since during quarantine. And I'm just, what? He took a $1,200 pay cut. Hmm. He goes, I've worked seven days a week. Hmm. And I'm like, what? I wanted to cry because I had to cut a couple of yards and it was hard. Hmm. I didn't work seven days a week. And I asked him, I said, well, how's business going? He goes, Friday was amazing. He goes, I normally do around 9,500. I, I hit 8,200. This same man, before quarantine, he goes, you know, um, I asked everybody, what do you have planned this weekend? You know, what is what does your year look like? You know, I asked, you know, I want to know. He he said from the beginning, I'm taking, I take my wife to Puerto Rico twice a year. And I'm like, wow. But he goes, I, I, I take her based off of the farmer's almanac from last year because I... I predict the weather based off the farmer's almanac so that I can tell when it's going to be slow at my restaurant. And when it's going to be slow, I'm able to leave. Humbling, bro. Interesting, man. Wow. wow. So you, you know what I did? I'm looking at the farmer's almanac, right? I'm looking at my stats compared to their year when we had a winter storm and stuff like that. So when you're meeting people like that, how could I, how could I complain or why? He does not complain. He's like... To this weekend is Memorial Day. He might tell me, Calvin, the last day I had off was Thanksgiving. Mm. You know, even though he's working a lot, his life work balance is amazing. He's he doesn't he's not saying it to get it off of his chest. He that's his life. He still takes care of his landscaping at home. He still dates his wife. He goes to Puerto Rico twice a year because he wants to. And it's not like he's obligated. Like and he could probably take days off of work if he wanted to, but Man, that dude, he is amazing, man. Rick. Yeah. Yeah. So That's I meet, awesome, man. I meet some hell of five people, man. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really interesting when you put things into perspective like that. There there really are some people out there that just constantly achieve, you know? Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder like what what exactly is uh, the formula to to being to being able to achieve at that level, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely want to figure that out. Well, yeah. just from my experience, man, I only say that the silver lining, and I got about a, you know a couple of dozen of them. Is first of all, they don't think no, they don't think that they can't do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's not, they don't, they they don't have that. It is, it won't work mindset. The second silver lining is the effort that they put behind it. Mm-hmm. Like they're putting forth a ton of effort effortlessly. Interesting. 
They put a ton of effort. A really good way to put it. Yeah, that's and that's I, part part of me thinks that getting that mindset. I mean, sure, some people are probably predisposed to having that mindset just naturally over others. But I think if somebody does want to get to that point, one of the ways you can build that confidence is just by starting to do something, starting a business, starting a a new skill, a new craft, whatever. And you might do that for six months and you might fail. But now you just learn six months worth of knowledge that you can apply to your next venture, right? And that just builds your confidence time and time again, you know? So I definitely sounds like I definitely want to work on that, man. Yeah. How, um, so when I had started uh, coming to see you, you were working at a shop called Big Leagues. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're actually in that uh, same building, but it's, it's your business now. How, what are the differences um, for you now that you own the business? Uh, have you, how has that uh, affected you? Mm. I was already acting like an owner. Mm. So they couldn't recognize that. You know, I think, yeah, people don't, I don't know, man. I guess my story would be like the owner, he paid enough attention to me because I was an asset to him. But outside of, you know, leaving an impression on him, he never thought that way. So, um, Everybody that works at that shop, I had a relationship with them when I wasn't an owner. Everybody that works there with me, they came on their own. I didn't go and send out an invitation, Hmm. right? Like there's no force. So for me, I I already know what to do. Like, and it's already in motion. Like nothing changed. changed. So what were were some of the things that were going through your mind when you were thinking about becoming the owner like did you ever did you ever experience self-doubt of any kind like what what if i can't do this or did you have uh confidence and you you thought that you know this is going to go great everything's going to go as planned what what uh kind of was going through your mind when you're making that decision no i was man i couldn't wait to be an owner you know i just couldn't wait that was it you know like you know, the first thing is getting the location. So for two years, I looked for a location. For two years, I looked for a location, man. And that was, that, it, it was too complicated. It shouldn't have been that complicated. I found several locations, and honestly, half of them I couldn't afford. They probably wanted fourteen dollars to $1,500. I called Josh about one, one time, right? Because I wanted to know about the area. But that location was, I didn't think that I could afford it because... I think he wanted like $1,300 a month. Um, that didn't come with any type of utilities. The location wasn't built up, and I just decided not to go there. It wasn't a lack of confidence. I just was like, financially, that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, per square footage, it didn't make sense. I thought that it, it was too high for the location because what he was charging, you could, you could have got a prime spot, uh, let's say, in South Lake Mall where you already have foot traffic of at least, you know, 500 people a day to where you open up a barbershop where those numbers don't match the price. Uh, so no, I never, no, I never had any self doubt. I just wanted a location. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, when I worked at Menards, uh, 
I was married before and I got divorced. When I worked at Menards, the house that I grew up in, as a teenager, I ended up getting that house. I ended up buying that house when I was married. So within that house, I took one of the rooms and I created a barbershop within that room. So the way you guys see the barbershop set up at Impact Now is exactly how I had it set up when I had that house uh, when I was younger, 20 years old. So I already knew what to do. I already knew exactly what to do. That's um that that's all really good, and I, and I think that's uh would especially be really good for um people who have this idea uh, that they want to do something right. And uh, like you said, it took you two years to find to find the location. And in my experience, knowing you, I knew that uh, you know in real time, I knew that uh, you were looking for a location, and. It took it took two years, and I, I I don't think that's something that a lot of people are are ready for. You know, like if it takes two years to just find a location, a lot of people quit before <laughs> well before they get there. I end up working at a makeup studio. That's what, were you over there at Trendsetters? Is that what it was called? It was a makeup studio. He mm-hmm. that was his girlfriend's makeup studio. He just put his name on it because he had put. That was his girlfriend. So it was like, I'm going to help you out. I can have barbers come over there and work. But I'm thankful for the opportunity because when I left Big League, it was abruptly. I did not give a two weeks notice. I just left. I ended up seeing him on my way to go pick up my kids that same day, asked him what his stance was. I was going to go to the mall, and he was like, they're opening up a shop, like literally a block and a half away. And that's how I ended up over there. It was a great opportunity. I learned a lot while I was working over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I end up getting the shop that I have now because the the property manager when I worked there for eight years, he remembered me for how I used to take care of the shop. Mm. So wow. he, he now he owns the building. So before he let me rent it out, there were two people who had tried to give them give him deposits to make it their own barbershop. He wanted to give it to me. Wow. And got in contact with me and told me that story. He goes, I remember how you took care of the shop when it wasn't yours. Wow, that's that's uh that's really good, man. I uh going back to when we asked you how what things had changed when you uh went from working at the shop to owning the shop. The way you just answered with such confidence, I was already acting like an owner. Like just just nothing changed and uh you know, eight years of that is is what got you to, uh, to what you had been trying to do. You know, and I had a history in management. I worked at when I worked at Menards, guys. I started out pushing carts. You know how they be out there pushing the carts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. I did that for two winters, a year and a half, and then I moved to like the receiving department. You know, taking payments out, and then before you know it. You know, they was asking me to be a manager. I never had an intent to be a manager. I told them no a couple of times. Um, and then I got, when I got injured, that car accident when I was in bar, because I was trying to go to barber college, made a sweet deal with my manager too. All I had to do was take them a box of cheese sticks from Little Caesars on Monday. And he set my schedule up so I could go to barber school. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, there you go. <laughs> 
Because when I got in that car accident, I couldn't, go to, I couldn't go to Barber College. And the job that Menards was asking me to do, I couldn't do no more. I was a load builder. So when you see those trucks that got, you know, trusses and shingles on it, you know, I built loads. So if you were getting your roof done or if you were building the deck, I would put your whole deck together. Piece by piece. If you were building a garage, I would put your whole garage together. The vinyl, the wood, the drywall, everything, I would put it together. I couldn't do that no more physically. I just didn't have it. So they, I had to take a management position. And once I became a manager and I figured out how the system went, you know, I figured out, okay, like policies and procedures. Um, I was an assistant manager for maybe nine months to a year. I went from a second assistant manager to department manager. And that's, that, that never happens. You're supposed to go part-time, full-time, second assistant manager, first assistant manager, department manager, right? I went second assistant manager to department manager. So I took up, when I went to department manager, the guy who was my first assistant manager, now I was his boss, right? So wow. immediate attention, immediate attention. He didn't want to help me at all. We used to fly out of Gary International, Gary Airport, right? They send a jet, and we go to Wisconsin once a year. So we fly on this jet, we go to Wisconsin. So I go to Wisconsin. Menards had 272 stores, man. So we get there, and it's all the department managers. I'm only like 24, 25 years old, so I'm one of the young. And I'm like, it's like probably four or five minorities, right? I'm one of the youngest. And they go over the stats, and out of 272 stores, my store, which was the Hammond store at the time, was ranked like 260. So we were like the worst, like, it wasn't good, right? <laughs> uh -huh. I was the department for like a month and a half. They don't know. There's like, you know, so I'm getting a lot of shit. I might not be a department manager when I get back home. No lie. When I went back home, I told Human Resources, do not hire anybody else unless I'm back there. Don't mm -hmm. hire me nobody else at all. So I just redeveloped the whole system back there and I only hired people that wanted to promote. So my goal as a department manager to be recognized as a good department manager, I needed to make people in my department department managers. So mm -hmm. even to this day, if you go to a local Menards, somebody came up under me that's a department manager, bro. Even to this day. Wow, you know? interesting. When I went back when I went back, when they flew us back up there the next year, we were number 15. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a huge improvement, man. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I got a question for you, Calvin. Uh, obviously, this is like the, the elephant in the room, but what have been some of the implications of COVID-19 on your business? And how have you been able to navigate this situation over the past three months or so? I mean, the implication was, you know, not just my business, but just barbers in general, we weren't able to work. And some still aren't working because they are still in quarantine. Um, I only know one barber who was able to receive unemployment. Mm. I know quite a few. Really? I only, and I don't why, know. Why is that? I have no idea. But, um, Another implication is that you have people who call themselves barbers that started operating during the current quarantine. And that complicates things because anybody could create a Facebook profile 
say they're a barber or you can create a booksy without a license to say they're a barber. You could rip somebody pictures off any social media site as if they're yours and now you're cutting hair and charge what you want to charge. And that's there's an element of danger with COVID-19 because if they're operating without the uh, fundamental understandings of the education, of sanitation and decontamination, they put a lot of people at risk and people don't know because they were so like, I'm going to get my hair cut. My barber is not cutting hair right now. Like it was a choice. People really, really think the barbers didn't. That's how barbers are taking it, right? Like it was a choice. You don't want to cut my hair, but uh, we understand that, you know, we have a an infectious disease that was spreading without our help. We don't need to have people around us or us around them to prevent the continuous spread of it. However, again, you have these people who say they're barbers because they have clippers or they're cutting in garages, cutting hair, and shit, that, that's dangerous. Mm. Um, furthermore, like the necessary steps that we needed to take, um, which is not far beyond what we're educated to do already. We, you know, uh, people were saying they don't have Lysol and stuff. Like, I already had a lot of that. Like, I still have Lysol. Like, they can't get it nowhere. I still have it. That's because I was quarantined, but, you know, we, I had plenty of it at the shop. You know, like, we already have, you know, chemicals that, you know, kill bacteria right on our stations. Like, our disinfectant spray also acts as a sanitation uh, spray as well. Uh, we have chemicals that do sterilization. Like, we already have it in place, you know. So um, we we already kind of, like, had it in place already. Like, I don't know what else I could have done differently. Like, mm -hmm. because I, and you know, I already use an app for appointments. Mm -hmm. Like, I already was mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, so people didn't, you might not have seen, like, when before somebody walked in, we were cleaning the doorknobs on the entrance, right? We were cleaning the the handle on the toilet. We were cleaning the, the handles on the water fountain, the hand, the handles on the uh in the, the bathroom faucet. We were already doing that. You know. Uh because before COVID nineteen, I was already irritable because of the way people were coming in the shop nonchalantly with colds. Yeah, that bothered me. You know, like mm -hmm. people were coming in and runny nose and I have a little cold. I had somebody that had got out the hospital on a Friday and said he he came to the shop on a Saturday and said that oh, I just got out the hospital yesterday. I'm like, wow, like what happened? And he goes, oh, I had pneumonia. You know how fucking furious, you know how pissed off I was, man? Like, <laughs> but people are so inconsiderate because to them you're just cutting my fucking hair. Like you're nobody. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was already irritated about that with COVID-19 it was no way it was no way in the world I was going to work it's until you know they told me that I could there's no way hmm. so now so are you starting to open up right now or or what's the deal with barbershops in Indiana Indiana um Indiana opened up May 11th but Lake County and Marion County we weren't allowed to open up until May 18th so I just opened up Monday okay mm -hmm. and it's all are you guys full capacity or go on Josh it's all uh, appointment only, right? You can't take walk-ins currently? Yeah, that's what the governor said. Oh, okay. That's what the governor said, appointments only. Um, and I've only had one bar, 
today I had two barbers there, but um, the other barber only did one person and they left. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I have really only worked with one person this whole week. And he's only worked, he worked Monday and Tuesday for two hours. And then today was his longest day. But it's, you know, one at a time. We're allowed to have one person in the chair and one person waiting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, well, you you got a customer coming soon, man. I, I definitely need a haircut. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I look forward to seeing y'all, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I, I had to just talked to you recently. Well, not recently, but um, you can't. You were on a broke boy live uh, with me, and I uh, I so I've been trying to grow out my hair. So I need a lineup. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go a little bit more natural. You know me; I change it up every year. <laughs> No, nah, that's cool, bro. You rock it well, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I need yeah. some tips, though, because I'm not exactly sure what, what to do with this uh, at, at all times. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I need to get some tips and, and get a good lineup for sure. Hey, so how, how has COVID-19 affected you all? Um, I'll start. Well, so, you know, I was running the business with my dad. Um, uh, we work in schools. I had, so before, right before the shutdown, I was on a work trip uh, with the photography studio and I was back and forth with my dad texting and he was basically saying at that point, he's like, we're going to preemptively, uh, well, what we thought would be preemptively, he's like, we're going to go ahead and suspend our programs uh, because he, you know, we agreed that this was about to get bad and like we saw that things were about to start shutting down. And as soon as we made that decision, it wasn't even our choice anymore. Every, everything had shut down that that following Monday. We were having that conversation on Friday. Everything shut down uh, on Monday. So I came back from that work trip. It was, it was a really odd thing when it shut down because I'm on this work trip going to uh, North Carolina and the whole way down, I'm getting news. This just closed. That just closed. <laughs> this just closed. And then we get there and then all, all the whole way back, this store is out of that. You can't get water over here. And that, that's what I was going home to, right? And um, yeah, so that, so that was odd. Uh, the, as far as like the video stuff, I've got a couple clients that I'm working with. Um, I'm able to do like remote editing and stuff like that. So I've been able to try to keep that up. Uh, but yeah, the, the biggest impact was uh, bright nights, obviously, working in schools and teaching chess. That's not gonna, it's not gonna be happening for a while. So, but I'm holding on. We still got work here and there. Definitely going to get through it for sure. Yeah, and then regarding myself, um, I work my day job as an engineer at uh, Arcelor Middle Steel Mill, which is right in East Chicago, the, the big steel mill right there. So that industry happened to be deemed an essential service. So from my day-to-day -day perspective, it it's, was actually unchanged throughout the entire shutdown. And it was weird because like all my friends from school, they're all talking like, yeah, I'm working from home. I've been working from home for the whole month. My mom actually, uh, her business said like, you guys cannot come into work for the next like two months. And at this point it's been close to three months and she's still working from home every day. But that, that was never my case. I was still driving in uh, to work every single day. Um, outside of that, though, 
Uh, I'm not sure if I, I remember talking to you once, Calvin, about the business I started. Um, where we have this product, Numbrella, where we help retail locations, coffee shops, restaurants, and things of that nature obtain customer remember. data yeah. through the the Wi-Fi, and we then use that that customer data to text message market to their customers and say, hey, you haven't been in the last two weeks, come back in, or this is your 10th time coming in to Coffee Shop X, you, uh, you can get 15% off your order, stuff like that. So being that that services the restaurant industry that, that got hit hard and uh, on that front, we have basically stopped charging any clients that we did have and zero revenue uh, from that business. But now that things are starting to open back up, um, we're we're looking to hit hit the sales force pretty hard and and try and get as many clients as we can with that business. Yeah. Calvin, yeah. Um, what's next, man? I know you uh, uh, have a lot a lot of things that you uh, you'd like to do, and I think we've talked about it uh, before. Um, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it all it almost sounded like. Uh, the end all be all wasn't to open a shop and you had some other things that, uh, that you wanted to, that you want to do. What, what, what is next for you, man? Man, that's a good question. Uh, I honestly don't think I'm prepared to answer that right now. Cause I'm in a position of discovery. Okay. You know, I didn't really miss cutting hair because of what I was dealing with before this thing happened. I, I didn't miss it. I miss being able to provide the way that I provide for my family more than anything. So mm-hmm. if I do get an opportunity to do something else where I can provide for my family, I would do it. I don't think I would hesitate. So not right now is more like a position of discovery. I was told I was non-essential and that really fucking bothers me. Mm-hmm. I never want to be told that again, mm-hmm. ever. I never mm-hmm. want to not be, you know, the reason why I like being a barber, I could do what I want to do. Somebody just, I never met the governor before, and he told me I couldn't go to work. Didn't like that. I understand why, right? I get it, right. but mm, he could have asked me, right? I just, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, that, uh, oh, man. I uh, feel so, that. So yeah. Just, in, this, uh, in this um, uh, season of discovery, what from barbering do you think uh, will be integral to if the next thing that you uh, that you pursue? What what uh, will there be a correlation in between where you're at now and where you go forward? Is there anything that you, about what you're doing now that uh, you think will influence the direction? Man, you know, I think it all translate together, and I'm not trying to be vague. But I think just the resources uh, and the networks that I've built up from barbering is definitely going to be able to put me in position uh, to move forward and with whatever industry that I move forward in. There's going to be somebody that I know or somebody that I meet and that I get to know. Hmm. Um, For me, I don't want to be unproductive. I don't want to have to hold back who I am. I don't want to... Uh, down my personality you know I, I I need to be creative right I need to be able to express myself freely like I don't believe in holding back you know uh, not at all man so like I said it's 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 discovery it has to be discovery I want to become hmm. 
Okay. I think this is such an interesting point that you're making, Calvin. Uh, Because I don't know if I necessarily think this way, but I think like as a culture, uh, especially in America and even other places, we're, we're brainwashed to think that like this, this job that you have right now, this is what you do. And this is what you're going to be doing. And you, you can't change it. What do you mean change it? You've been doing this for the last 10 years. How can you, how can you change it? But I think this really illustrates the, the way of thinking where a, a job is really something you, you do to, to spend your time. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to define you. You can always self-discover and, and you can always pick up and, and change in some other area. You know, it's, it's not necessarily the end all be all. If, uh, if you happen to lose your job during stressful times like, like COVID or you just want to, to switch your job to something else, that's, I think um, just being able to have that freedom is, is liberating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And also, it's, um, it's, re- it's always inspiring uh, that uh, – that because y- you, you've done a lot of things, I feel like, whatever I, whatever I, we get to talking to, like, uh, I just remember being in your chair, you talk about how uh, you were the manager at Menards, um, yeah. and you talk about some of the things you did in your past, and then the whole time I'm sitting in, you know, your business, uh, your uh, the barbershop that you open, I'm like – man, you've done so much and you still got that drive to, to discover, you know, and, and that you feel like it's, um, that, the, that, that, you know, becoming is not, uh, is not over, you know? And I mean, depending on your perspective, I, I find that inspiring um, because I feel like that just means I got, it just means we all have all the time in the world, you know, to, to figure that out. Even after we've accomplished things, there's, you, we could just continue to to do things and you know and there is no uh no real finish line if you will and uh you know we, we always got to be constantly developing and it's a long story or a, a shorter version of what i'm trying to say is it's cool that somebody with success is still chasing it you know and and that's inspiring yeah i think everybody has their own definition of what success looks like. Like everybody has their own view or vision of Mm -hmm. what success looks like. You know, uh, for me, that canvas is blank. You know, it's like, what do I want? You know, it's just like there, you know, like, what do I want? You know, my, I'm a young father, you know, I was a young married man, like everything. I still feel young. I don't feel old, man. And I, uh, I look forward to what the future like may bring, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I think that if you, if you stop, um, if you stop trying to become like, you're no longer like living, like you're just existing. Like, and that's for myself. That's not for nobody else right like you know somebody else they might be really content at being an artist like they just they love being an artist they love you know and the way of life that that brings for them you know like they're able to provide the the necessary means for them to enjoy their life like um and that's awesome right like i'm just not satisfied you know one of the questions that i asked uh this week was if you were in 
if you were able before you know the quarantine, there were things that you thought about doing during the quarantine that you didn't do. Hmm. Right? Like, oh man, I wish I would have done this, right? Uh I've only had one person, so I don't know how many people I cut, but I only had one person. I didn't cut her hair. And she said that there was nothing that she didn't do that she wanted to do. And hmm. I was so I was so satisfied to be in her presence, man. Right? Like for myself, I said, well, during quarantine, I was like, I would go to more barbecues and I would go to more family gatherings. They always happen on Saturday and I always work on Saturday. Mm. So I said this during, during quarantine, but uh, as I went to work this week, I said, nope, that was a lie. It wasn't because it was on Saturday. It was because I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lie. It wasn't true. It wasn't true, man. I've worked from seven from seven in the morning till six PM uh with a bare minimum break. The break that I take is to open up a pack of sargento cheese, nuts and raisins and just like crush them and get right back to work. Like it's not that I don't want to hang out with the family. Like I'm just preoccupied and I'm just I'm by the time Saturday comes, I'm I'm exhausted. You mm. know. Or I just don't feel like, because, you know, people want to ask me about Barb, and I don't want to talk about that. Not with the mm-hmm. family. I, I, wanna, I want them to talk to me about me, you know? Like, right. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, it's not about Barb. Or, you know, For right. sure. I, I that's yeah. yeah, man. Well, man, this has been fantastic. Uh, I've had a, a great time. I knew this was going to be great. I knew that Calvin was going to come in swinging, packing some heat. <laughs> Got everybody motivated. Uh, yeah. So I do. I knew this is going to be good, man. Thank you for uh, for taking the time um, for those listening and uh, and those watching on YouTube. Uh, where can they get in touch with you? Where how, how can they get a hold of you? Like on Instagram or anywhere that you talk to people at. Man, you know I got a podcast on Anchor too. Okay. Um, I got a podcast on Anchor. Uh, it's called Stories from Behind the Chair. Awesome. Uh, I only do it when I'm fully inspired. Like I have to be maxed out because I just want it to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram at Barber uh, underscore Cal. Uh, Facebook is Calvin Steele. Uh, my YouTube is Make Money Barber. Okay. Um, I got LinkedIn at Calvin Steele. Uh, you could stop by the shop. Really, that's where I'm always. Yeah. At. I was just about to say, if somebody wants a, if somebody wants a haircut, where can they go? You know, they have to download this app called Booksy, man. Appointments made easy. Booksy, B-O-O-K-S-Y. You'll find me on there, Barbara Cow, you know, in the Hammond area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Awesome, cool. man. Well, I had a great time. Uh, I'm looking forward to put this one out because I know it's going to bring uh, a lot of value to, uh, to a lot of people. Yeah, thank you guys for having me again. And I, I would like to say, uh, one of my other high performers and achievers, man, he told me something recently that I think you guys are like. And um, he said, Calvin, uh, you can fill a tub up one drop at a time. Mm. Mm. One drop at a time. You, you can do it. You can fill a tub That's up one drop at a time. He goes, he asked him, when the man who told him that he goes, well, what do you do when the tub overflows? Hmm. And the guy goes, I thought you never asked. 
He goes, that's what you got to be ready for when it overflows. Wow. That's good stuff, man. That's great, man. Good stuff. Yeah. We definitely going to have you back, man. Uh, we'll oh, do sure. another one of these. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, thank, thanks again. Uh, oh, looking sure. forward to uh, sitting in the chair, man. All For right, sure. brother. You guys have a good one, man. Thank you. All right. All right. Take See care. You. Have a good night, man. All right. You too. Bye.